Hello, my friend, and welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a career expert, a speaker, and best-selling author of the book, U-Turn. Get unstuck, discover your direction, design your dream career. I wrote the U-Turn book and I created this podcast to help you reconnect to who you truly are at your core. And that's why every single week, I'm going to bring a guest on with the intention of helping you upgrade your confidence both in work and in love. I'm also so excited to say that this episode has been sponsored in part by Ability, an organization that offers virtual mini MBAs and leadership trainings to thought leaders and professionals all over the world. If you're feeling stuck in your career or you're not getting the career development that you need, Ability has something really excited for you. Right now, they have enrollment open for their invited MBA program. This is a 12-week virtual part-time mini MBA program created for working professionals who want to level up their careers and unlock their full potential. Now is the time to be upskilling. It's affordable. It's flexible. The Invited MBA will help you develop essential business skills, grow your people management capabilities, and give you real-world leadership experiences and high-tech award-winning simulations. So if you're looking for that something special to set you apart in your career, this might be just what you need. Head on over to invitedmba.com. That's I-N-V-I-T-E-D-M-B-A.com to learn more. And if you apply before February 18th, you can be eligible for $1,000 off the program and make sure you mention my name so that they can gift you $200 off. Now let's get into this week's episode. People have this idea that, you know, person A and person B connect by just talking to each other and they just go like this. But the real connection happens when person A and person B are both engaging with things C and they're engaging together with something, right? And that's where true connection comes from. That's where confidence comes from because you're doing something together and working on it. And so like at the core of our pedagogy, at the core of everything that we do is let's actually give you the experience of what it's like as a manager at a company. Let's give you the experience of what it's like as a finance person rather than reading a textbook all about uh, working networking capital, right? So we think that experience is the thing that really pushes ahead in terms of the connections and in terms of the confidence because then you as an individual can say, not only do I know this, but I've seen myself do it. You turn friends. I wanted to bring a really special guest onto the podcast today. It's Luke Owings, a VP of product over at Ability. He's taught in higher education. He's worked at education companies, and now he works for Invited MBA with a mission to support others with business education. And before that, he's been a consultant at McKinsey and Company. He worked with an ed tech company where he ran operations to build out month-long business boot camps. Then he ran the people department for a learning and development in a new organization, identifying what skills employees needed to develop, which is something I love talking about. And now at Ability, he is VP of product, um, you know, for the Invited MBA. And that's a program that helps students translate skills they already have more effectively into the business world. And so today we are going to talk about all things business, career, imposter syndrome, and how to make a pivot um, and really own it in your career. So uh, without further ado, thank you so much, Luke, for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Ashley. Yeah. And I, I honestly, um, 
you know, you worked at McKinsey, which, you know, one of my first job interviews was at McKinsey and Mm. they asked me how many golf balls fit in an airplane. And that was pretty much the end of that job interview for me. Um, Well, I hope you're not asking me that right now because I I have no, I have zero idea. So I'm going to start this off by asking you how many golf balls fit in an airplane. Let's bring you back to your roots. I remember being like, uh, is it a Boeing 747? Uh, I got to buy myself some time. Uh, Okay. Wow. You were on top of your game at that. I remember they asked me during mine was uh, how many tuxedos get made every given year. And I still remember that that was 2007. Oh man. It was a fun process. How did you get hired? I mean, so actually let's even start there. I mean, you've had some pretty amazing roles. Um, what do you think really stands out, especially in today's world when everyone is so competitive in the job world? Um, what do you think is that special something that makes someone stand out? You know, honestly, I think a big piece of it is a willingness to engage, um, a willingness to go in and have the conversation, a willingness to figure things out. We work in a more collaborative workspace than ever before where you are not the expert on everything that you do. And so I, I know even in my both of my stints at McKinsey and my stints heading the people departments and all that, what we looked for so often was like, who's someone who's going to come in and add to the conversation at a unique perspective, not do the whole conversation, not push it forward, everything, but this willingness to engage in the ambiguity and this willingness to collaborate is more important than ever before. I mean, Jesus, we're, you're in New York, I'm in Colorado, we're talking to each other. And so like, this is what the the teams of the future are. And so a willingness to engage, bring something new to the conversation is so, so important. Now, I'm, I'm also aware that the workplace is pretty skewed in favor of extroverts. You mm. know? So it's, it's interesting because we have a workforce built on, in favor of extroverts. And yet pretty much the population is 50-50 you feel like an extroverted friend over there to me. I'm, I'm actually 50, 50. I'm, I'm an ambivert, but I probably am more introverted than people realize. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious, you know, do you have any thoughts for the more introverted workers? Like what would you suggest they think about when it comes to contributing? Because I know for them, that could be just like the antithesis of how their cells in their DNA want to be working to chime Uh in. And I love what you said to strategically chime in. You don't need to be a chatterbox like me all the time. You can be really intentional. So I would love any feedback on that too. Man, I love that question. And you know, it's funny, I I probably do come across as an extrovert. And when I was in my 20s, I'm going to age myself. I feel old now, Ashley, you're killing me. But uh, when I was in my 20s, I was much more of an extrovert than I am now. Now I have much more of that ambivert side where I need time to myself and I need to get away. And you know, this... How how to how to speak up in a world that won't shut up, right? Like this is the concept for introverts so much nowadays. Um, So much of it to me comes from the word you used was intentional. And I would use the word conscious, right? Being conscious about how you show up, when you show up and, and being conscious also about what you need, right? Like in the virtual world, we're all in our different places. And so I think we've all created our own rituals to actually build up energy and so that we can show up in a session in a way that we want to, right? right? In, a, in a way that we can speak up, whether we're an introvert and need to recharge outside of that or whether we're in other places. I think there's also a push to to use different tools that don't just favor extroverts. Zoom favors extroverts. Any type of synchronous um, coming together in a meeting, whoever speaks first speaks the most, right? I think there's a push, particularly in our company and and in a lot of virtual first companies to say, are there better ways to have this conversation? Can we actually put a question down, then let everyone have a day and write down their thoughts when they have a chance and then put it together. And so I, I do think 
companies are becoming smarter about it, but I do think it requires intentionality and conscientiousness and, and recognizing what you need to show up the way you want and then what formats allow you to show up the way you want. You know, you make a really good point about, you know, energy. And it's something interestingly enough that I thought about a lot as I was writing my book, U-Turn, but I didn't uh, write as much about it. And it's something that I've reflected on quite a bit because to me, there's so many different facets of energy. There's just the the fact, are you more extroverted or introverted? How do you get your energy? But then there's also your body. Like, you know, the fact that we grew up eating so much processed food, you know, I'm no food expert, but I, I imagine like, all these chemicals are probably not working well for us. Um, you know, I lived in Europe for a while and I remember um, Subway's bread in America is, is banned in, in Europe because there's right. too many ingredients for it to be bread. Point being, you know, there's so many different things you could do or rituals, as you said, to increase mm-hmm. your energy. What are some of your favorite ways to get an energy boost? For me, I got a food sensitivity test. Um, we put a, you know, a link to that somewhere, but um, what are some of the ways that you love to get that boost? Yeah, I think the main one that I've done and that I've implemented in my life is how I start my day. Um, and this actually goes back to my consulting world where I was on the road 200 days of the year. I was like, how do I actually start each day feeling okay? And how do I know I, I can bring my best self regardless of where I am? And so every morning, do you know what Qigong is by chance, Asha? Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 years ago, I went to Thailand and I went to this Kung Fu place and I learned some Qigong and I was like, okay, this is cool. This is like breathing meditation stuff, but it's not yoga because yoga didn't work for me. And so I was like, uh, okay, I'm going to integrate this. And so I, I built a little practice that literally takes me three minutes at the beginning of every day, but it's the first thing I do when I wake up. And when my desk is 15 feet away from my bed, it's really helpful to have something that breaks apart from that part of my day to okay, I'm in work mode. And so it's a three minute thing that I do at the beginning of every day. And, and that's helped me a ton. From the food perspective, it's funny because we have more control than ever before when we're at home, but it's also more, more hassle than some. And so the one I experimented with for the last year and a half, and I found really helpful for me, I'm curious what you found helpful for you is um, I, I do the intermittent fasting thing. So I usually only drink black coffee until about noon and then have a nice lunch, like take a break from work for a cup for, for an hour and then come back um, and then stop eating at like six or seven. Though I will say with popcorn, when I'm watching a movie at 8 PM, it's hard not to. How can you, I mean, I get it. And, you know, listening to you talk about this, uh, people who are not aware of food sensitivities, I just want to point out, usually you're going to feel like phlegm in your throat, a chronic sore throat, brain fog, your nose closes up. Those are all reactions to food. Um, if you're getting headaches or brain fog, your, your brain is literally, literally inflamed. Um, and there's a lot of inflammatory food out there. So I know inflammation is an underlying cause of, of so many, uh, health challenges and energy challenges. Um, okay. So I know that your background and experiences have helped you kind of know when it's time to make a change from a big company, you know, like you have to a small one or vice versa. And I think this is a big topic for a lot of people in the workforce of what are the benefits of either one? Um, What's your take on that? Because I know that it's different on both sides. Totally, totally. You know, there's so much in there and there's so much good in there, actually. I love it, right? Like from knowing when to move and like there's the Sunday night test of like, are you dreading the week or not? There's the Monday morning test of are you waking up energized or waking up 
ready to go. And like, that's how you, how do you know when you're ready to transition? And then there's the, what the, or the places to transition. And I can just tell you how I think about it, right? Like, I think that in today's world, we're all going to have so many different roles. You're such a wonderful example. You know, I, I have to scroll like four times on my phone to look at all the different experiences you have on your LinkedIn. I'm trying to harness my ADHD in the most positive way possible. <laughs> That's so right, right? And you're you're doing a lot of them even in parallel, right? Being a contributor to Forbes, writing a book, running a publishing house, running a podcast, all this different stuff. And I think that, you know, when I think about the small companies and big companies, I think about it in a not dissimilar way, where it's like, you know, it actually has real value to me to have experience at both and to spend time diving into both. I call it like uh, being in the Navy versus being a pirate. And that's my probably non-PC way of putting it sometimes. But it's like, you know, it's really good to know what it's like to be part of a large organization and to say, how do we turn a big ship, a big armada? How do we understand how this works? And that's the world I lived in and worked in at McKinsey. With 30,000 people, we were working with companies that had hundreds of thousands of people. I had to remember to shave and and put on my dress whites and bring my skills to a, to a big organization. And then I, I went to other places where, you know, ability were 20 people right now. Um, uh, some of the other organizations I had have been even smaller. And that's where you have to be able to figure everything out on the fly. And, you know, I can have my beard and wear my jeans today. Um, but like, I tend to think of that as almost like a mosaic of things that come together. And when I look at next steps in my career, I always look at how those come together and how they fit into a broader picture of the career I'm building over the course of 20 or 30 years, um, because they're so different. Big companies, small companies, nonprofits, governmental, you can speak to those, right? Like uh, business, um, right? In different geographies. And you know, what's important in this in the careers nowadays is that you can exist in these different places and bring the best of those places together. Hey, U-Turners. This episode is sponsored in part by our friends over at Organifi. My absolute favorite product has got to be their chocolate and vanilla protein powder. Due to my recent diagnosis of Lyme disease, I've been super careful with what I put in my body, and I just smiled from ear to ear when my doctor read the ingredients on the back of their protein powder and gave it the thumbs up. They are gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, vegan, and almost no sugar at all. It is just magical and a miracle that it tastes like anything, let alone something this good. Their chocolate protein powder I love to put in with a nut milk, cashew butter, frozen blueberries, while their vanilla is so good with peanut butter, frozen strawberries, and nut milk in the blender. This smoothie is my absolute fix when I'm hungry anytime or when I have a sweet tooth. It's just so good. I mean, here's the thing. It's tempting to turn to that second or third cup of coffee, but the truth of the matter is that caffeine can only do so much. At some point, we need to look at the root cause of our fatigue, and it turns out that the two main factors in low energy are chronic stress and a lack of nutrition. Organifi's clean, organic superfood blends address these problems head-on with adaptogenic herbs and mushrooms to help you balance your cortisol levels associated with stress, and they make it so much easier with one scoop of protein power to add so many more nutrients into your diet every single day. If you'd like to grab yourself some protein powder or really any of their magical products, just head on over to Organifi.com slash U-Turn. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N. And make sure you use the code U-Turn, again, Y-O-U-T-U-R-N at checkout for 20% off. Now let's get back to this week's episode. 
I think that it's it's interesting. There's no right answer. And, and I always try to impart to people that, you know, especially when it comes to clarity and career paths, it's not like there's one people talk about your purpose. Like there's one purpose in your career. And I mean, I get it. We spend 90,000 hours of our waking time on this planet at work. It makes sense. People want it to matter or feel meaningful. And yet, you know, I think my belief about the workplace is not that that's where you go to find your purpose. My belief about it is it's a place you go to contribute to the world Mm -hmm. and add value and, and sharpen your skill set. because if you don't use it, you lose it. Right. So using brain and contributing it in a positive way. And so to me, there's a lot of meaning and purpose and figuring out what your best skills are. And I think understanding your own personal timings, if you're at a bigger company, chances are you are going to be working on a more niche area. If you're at a smaller company, your chances are you're going to get a lot of experience, put your hands in a lot of places. Maybe you'll get equity. There's so many different pieces of that puzzle. And it just depends on how much you want to grow your skills and and what the opportunities are in front of you. Um, But I know that most people, no matter which direction they're going, they feel a sense of imposter syndrome. Mm. And, you know, I don't know, it's not like I came out of the womb confident. And I think confidence, you know, looks different in many situations. Like maybe somebody's super confident in work and very insecure with their love life. Like it's, it's not like we're confident across the board. So um, what are some factors that you feel like could help people kind of combat that feeling of imposter syndrome? And can you define what imposter syndrome means for you, just for anyone listening, maybe identifying? Yeah, imposter syndrome is one that I know I've personally struggled with and I've talked to a lot of friends about, right? It's this feeling that, you know, at the end of the day, you're the odd one out. You're in a group and you're like, oh my God, everyone else here is so talented, so skilled, so on top of it. I'm the hiring mistake. Oh my gosh, they're going to they're going to find me out and figure out that I'm not meant to be part of this group. And um you know, it preys on different different types of mindsets and you know, I know a lot of the places I've been have had that mindset of like the insecure overachiever. The insecure overachiever who constantly wants to prove themselves and you know, they'll they'll do anything to prove themselves. And that to me is kind of the flip side of the coin of the imposter syndrome and I know a lot of the places I've been at, um, McKinsey being a, a good example of it, imposter syndrome is just rampant. And, and I think we all feel it right now. You know, also, I think it's like, if you ask yourself right now, honestly, anyone listening, how much time have you spent of the day just trying to prove yourself? How much time have you, quote unquote, wasted in your desk trying to show people you're great versus actually make results happen? How many conversations have you had that are actually kind of like a monkey dance of showing your worth? And I think that that's such an opportunity, you know, A, we're all human, this happens, but B, to just kind of look at yourself and say, how do I start to source that worthiness from myself and stop outsourcing me? Um, so, you know, really good point. And I know one factor you talked about was conversancy, which I actually haven't heard that word before. Mm. And, you know, just because I'm a writer doesn't mean I know all the words, I guess. But um, so the, the, the idea of having an ability to speak the language of the workplace, the language of yeah. finance, the language of business, I thought this was a really powerful point 
because a lot of people will take a new job and they'll study the company or the culture or their job, but they're not looking into the business lingo. And for me coming from the government in my twenties, it was like alphabet soup. Um, So what, what, what does that look like? Or, or what recommendations can you give, especially as it relates to the invited MBA program, Um, you're teaching so many people through that program with ability to, speak the language of business. Um, so I would love any feedback on that. And also maybe some terms that you think everyone should know in the business world. Totally. Totally. Absolutely. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing because, you know, tackling this imposter syndrome, a lot of people do it by trying to learn more, right? And we're an education company at Ability and, and our mission is all to get accessible business learning to as many folk as possible. And that's why we created the Invited MBA. As we did more and more and built more and more, we, we realized that learning the business, learning business, learning the skills, all that stuff is a lifelong pursuit, right? Now I'm sure you're you're continuing to do it. I certainly am continuing to do it every day and, and learning more. And so we said, what can we get people? And this is where it gets to to that C word you said, right? Conversancy. And we said, actually, to get by imposter syndrome, to make a transition into a new career, whether that's government to um, to the business world, whether that's military to the business world, whether that's being a teacher to the business world, whatever that may be. If we're trying to help people get into that business world, we can help them with conversancy, the language, and make sure they understand the language. And so they're in a room and in an interview, and they're understanding what the person is talking about, and they can engage. They don't have all the answers, but they have conversancy. Second is they have the connections, right? They have people who they can benchmark themselves with, I think this is so important in imposter syndrome as well. Having some other people who are going through transitions and saying, hey, I was lost here. Are you lost? How do we do this? What do we do? I know I have, I have my, my networks and my connections that help me as I step into new roles all the time. Um, and then the last is, and I think it probably flows downstream from this, is when you have conversancy and you have connections, you have that confidence. You know, you, we, we don't come out of the womb confident. We don't come out of the room, womb ready to go, but we, we do have, once we have experience and we say, you know what, I can engage in this world. I can have confidence in it. And so, you know, so much of what we do in ability and invited MBA is all about giving experiences where you're conversing with things, with other connections and coming out of it with confidence. And I think that that's, that's so important so that when someone throws out a word like, Hey, the financial statements, you're like, Okay. I at least know those are income statement, balance sheet, and cash flow. And I have no idea what depreciation is, but I can at least go and figure it out. And I have confidence in myself to do so. And that that kind of works all across the board, whether you're talking about learning in the in the finance world or whether you're talking about learning in the product world. You you at least know that scrum methodology is a thing or waterfalls are a thing or uh, whatever is is the distinct language of the world you're going into. So yeah, we 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 really do try to push that. To enter a world and to enter into a new career field, you have to have conversancy, connections, and confidence. And, and at that point, you can you can go on the path. I love that. And I, I you know it's interesting because to me, confidence is built. And, and having a master's in psychology, one thing I learned is that if somebody wants to have more confidence, they need to make more commitments and keep mm. those promises to themselves. And it's interesting. Um, there's one term that I learned in psych, which was incomplete cycle of action, which an example of that is like a stack of books on your nightstand. You never Ooh, read yeah. the visual incomplete cycle of action. It's a message to you that you intended to do something that you're not doing. And it's subconsciously telling you that you are not keeping a commitment to yourself. And so um, I think learning the lingo of a workplace, making commitments to yourself and and really making them non-negotiable, not setting yourself up for failure. You know, I feel like the fact that, you know, the new year just passed, it's like people 
um, tend to go crazy with goal setting and they bite off, you know, instead of just, you know, trying to drink more water every day, they want to like full body overhaul, which is awesome and really challenging to keep all those promises to yourself in one swoop. Totally. Um, so taking that time, I'm so excited that, you know, ability has the invited MBA product because, for me, the number one thing I've been seeing people do during the pandemic that has moved their career forward is upskilling. Totally. This is the time to become adaptable. It's the time to realize that every five years on average, one of your core skills become obsolete. You know, my, my first master's degree was in national security and about Al Qaeda and nobody even talks about Al Qaeda anymore. Like I feel huh. like Al Qaeda is off being scared of ISIS or so. I don't know. So it's like, there's just so much that changes. And so your team being able to offer this at a time like right now is such a, an effective way for people to use their time and build their confidence. Um, another point you made was connections um, to fight imposter syndrome. And you kind of touched on that. Can you talk a little bit about what are those key career connections that really move the needle for people listening? Because it's such a key time in the new year right now, where they're probably thinking about how to craft their year ahead. Yeah, I think there's a couple of different angles of that connections that that are so important, um, man. And I hadn't heard that five year thing. All my skills are gone now, Ashley. You're killing me. You're, you're making me feel old. Making me feel like none of my skills are here. Man, it's a tough life. I'm just here to elevate your confidence, Luke. Welcome to the U-Turn Podcast. <laughs> I feel like I'm like Dunning Kruger over here, where I thought I was really good. And now you're letting me know all this stuff, and I'm like, oh, my confidence is down. But I'll, I'll get back. Um, this connections thing, I'll, I'll break it down in a couple of different ways in terms of how we think about it. I, I think we think of connections first and foremost, as you know, those who are going through the same process as you and those who you actually can engage with. And this is particularly important in, a, um, in an educational experience, because I mean, we think there's a lot of value to the Coursera's of the world and the, the, the videos you watch online to learn. But we think so much of the richness of, of becoming conversant is working through challenges with other people, right? And so like when we build our cohorts of Invited MBA, we actively take a look at, okay, who else are you going to be working with on a week-by-week basis and so that you have connections of people going through transitions with you. So kind of peer groups. The, the second group that I think connections are really important are, are mentors, right? Like some sort of mentors who have been in a place where you have you would like to be, and they can actually provide some guidance to it. And, you know, organizations that I've been about at, like McKinsey, do a really good job of that. They say, hey, you know what? This person is a manager. You're, you're an analyst. Now let's make sure you have enough time to talk to them and so that they can let you know things you don't know you don't know about as you're making whatever is your move and whatever is your development. And so we, we really do, again, in the Invited MBA, try to create an environment where you get access to those people and hear their stories about, and then get some engagement with them to say, okay, how do I actually actualize this for myself? So, so the peers and then the mentors. And then the last group, which I think is, is a really interesting group, is like having connections to people who are in places you aspire to be, right? And I, I think the best way to tell whether you'll be happy at an organization is to look at someone two years ahead of you who are at that organization and to be able to say, okay, yeah, I, they, they remind me of me for these reasons. And that's why I think this would be a good place for me to go, for me to go work, for me to go uh, really push to try to get my resume and try to do all that stuff. And I think that those aspirational group is, is a really important. And that's what we try to build an alumni network around so that you can see, you know what, the, Sarah's a product manager at, at a place, right? We can actually see, uh, see what Sarah's like and, and have connections to her through a network. And I think that all three of those are, are really important um, as you're making career transitions 
transitions and as you're making your your own U-turn. Did I use that right? Your own Yeah, that U-turn. was very well done. And I love what you shared about peers because I think there's so many places people aren't looking for that. Number one, you've got websites that do events, um, you know, like Eventbrite or something like that, where people can get together, um, you know, or meetup.com or you know, there's peer groups. Also like LinkedIn groups are a diamond in the rough. You can, if you find the right LinkedIn group that's niche and engaged, it can do wonders for your career. So peers don't just have to be friends you have or people that are your colleagues. There's many ways to go create your destiny with that. And I think that's so exciting. And then mentors, you know, I've written about it a lot, but there are so many different types, right? Like there's somebody like me who's a career expert or a coach and you pay them for a result that you want and you work on it and have an action plan. There's the kind of wise old owl who's been there, done that. And they, their incentive is to leave a legacy and impact and help you. And then there's a sponsor, like someone in the workplace who's actively stepping forward on your behalf, putting totally. your name forward. Totally. Um, so I think all three are, are super valuable. And then kind of going back to the topic of confidence, you know, and as it relates to fighting imposter syndrome, um, I know I talked about, you know, keeping promises to yourself. Um, what are some other keys that you think cultivate confidence in the workplace for anyone who is feeling that imposter syndrome? You know, I think so much of it comes from having some sort of experience where you've seen how you show up in a place. I, I, so much of that experience gets to the connections, it gets to the confidence place. And I know you you do a lot of coaching, correct? Yeah. And I know we at the core of a lot of our products have one of the coaching mindsets that really like blew my mind when someone on my product team taught it to me, which was people have this idea that, you know, person A and person B connect by just talking to each other and they just go like this. But the real connection happens when person A and person B are both engaging with things C and they're engaging together with something, right? And that's where true connection comes from. That's where confidence comes from because you're doing something together and working on it. And so like at the core of our pedagogy, at the core of everything that we do is let's actually give you the experience of what it's like as a manager at a company. Let's give you the experience of what it's like as a finance person, rather than reading a textbook all about uh, working networking capital, right? So we think that experience is the thing that really pushes ahead in terms of the connections and in terms of the confidence, because then you as an individual can say, not only do I know this, but I've seen myself do it. And this gets as well to to kind of some of the psychology you're talking about before. But once you observe yourself do it and see how you show up, you have the confidence to walk into a new ambiguous situation. And until you do, you just can't. Hey, U-Turners, I want to take this moment to say that this episode is sponsored in part by SaneBox, an email tool that I have been using every single day to be more productive and less scattered. With the average person working and getting 100 to 200 emails a day, I don't know about you, but I've been fighting the fight with email for a few years now, and after continuously losing, I decided that I needed help. I did my research and I was so excited to find SaneBox as an affordable tool for my Gmail and it works with any other email provider really that can sort your emails for you before you open up your laptop and get lost in the sauce. All you'll see once you download it is on your sidebar where there's words like inbox or trash. There will be a couple other new folders that I'm totally obsessed with. One is called Sane Later, which is pretty much code for all the emails coming in that you don't need to see. And the other one, my favorite one, is called the Sane Black Hole, which is where you can drag and drop emails that you just don't want to be subscribed to anymore. 
The Sane Later box automatically uses artificial intelligence to know that you don't want that email and it puts it right there in that folder. Every few days I check my Sane Later folder, skim through it, and I'm just so happy to be saving so much time. I used to spend every single morning overwhelmed by my inbox and now I have so much more time on my hands thanks to SaneBox. So for the first couple of weeks, I monitored my SaneBox once a day and dragged and dropped messages from senders that I would have wanted in my regular inbox. And now I find that it perfectly knows who should and shouldn't be waking their way in my inbox. So head on over to www.sanebox.com slash U-turn. That's S-A-N-E-B-O-X dot com slash Y-O-U-T-U-R-N to access 14 days of SaneBox for free and a $25 credit to get a serious discount on the super affordable year membership now. It's time we all get out of our inbox and back into our life. Now let's get back to this week's episode. You know, it's, it's funny. It's like, um, I think a lot of people in their career and it's understandable. We don't want to fail. We don't want to go through that experimental phase where we're trying things on and taking and changing them up. And it feels like that's so necessary for building confidence, for finding the right path. Um, you know, you and I had kind of talked about career trajectories before we hit the record button. So I would love your take on what makes for a fulfilling career or how do you plan your career? Um, just any insight for people who are thinking about that right now. Yeah. It's so hard, right? Like this planning and this looking forward. We all, I believe a lot of us know this, like Steve Jobs, uh, 2006 speech where he talks about connecting the dots. And he's like, I can't connect the dots forward. But when I look back, they make sense. Um, And I feel like that so much in my career. And, you know, in that world where the world is changing, in that world where things are happening new every day and I don't know what I don't know. I mean, the North Stars for me have always been, um, is the, Thing that I'm looking at doing is that with somebody who I can learn from, who I want to be exposed to, right? And and you know, so much of your experience in any job comes down to your direct manager, comes down to the peers on your team who you work with. And I find that when I when I use that as a as a guiding principle for is this the right step? It worked. Um, secondly, I have always used this guiding principle of like, am I going to learn something that is different from what I already know? Right. And so like, okay, am I pushing myself outside of a comfort zone? Uh, You know, at this point I've run operations team, I've run products teams, I've run people teams, I've run all these different things and said, okay, am I learning something? Am I pushing myself outside? And that's a second North star for me. And then the third one is, is this place going to appreciate what I bring to the table? And so that I feel appreciated on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, I, I have some skills, um, having been in all these different places, I'm not one of those deep technical experts who knows every piece of engineering or any piece, every piece of that, but I do bring out the best in others and have a, have a sense for how I show up as a leader. And so, you know, is it a place that's going to appreciate that? And so as I make these decisions, I always look at those, those North stars myself. I love that. And I know that not feeling appreciated in addition to burnout or a lack of flexibility, those are some of the top reasons people leave their job. And during this great resignation period, it feels like there's no end in sight to that. So really, really important for even managers to remember that the importance of appreciation and communication and kindness. Um, 
what, okay. So this, this isn't planned for, and we don't have to go all the way down this path, but I'm curious about having a difficult manager because I know a lot of people who are thinking about their career trajectory. There's sometimes a couple obstacles. One is like, you look at the org chart and you think to yourself, well, well, shoot, like somebody needs to keel over in, in order for me to grow. Or they have a manager who's just really tough to work with. Um, what are some thoughts you have on, on that? Yeah. Holy cow. That's hard. Right. The first part of your question comes so much to this idea of like, where is growth going to come from? And if you're in a stiltifying organization, is there ever going to be growth? And the flip side of that is sometimes in a crazy chaotic dynamic organization, you get asked to do things before you're ready. And like, are you ready to do that? And so, um, you know, in today's world, we're, we're, a lot of people are making it up. I say we're all making it up and we're all figuring out our new roles. And so I say, try things before you're ready, right? And if you're in an organization that doesn't give you the opportunity to do that, think about over a longer term if that's the right organization for you. And that's like a, that's probably a, a one to three year conversation you're having, 18 to 36 months that you're having, and you should be having. Am I at the right organization? The other one about your manager is really like a, one to two week or three to six month thing. Cause you're not going to change your manager in, in the near term. I think what I find so helpful um, with, with difficult managers is a open dialogue, right? Like in the virtual world, we have to make the time to have that open dialogue. Um, and it's not just going to happen in the hallways. You have to like plan it and schedule it. And then B is some sort of social contracting. It's like, what are you really expecting from me? And is that realistic? And um, I think having those explicit dialogues, most managers, even if they're not good, are well-meaning. I, I, I kind of start with that assumption, but then having that explicit dialogue of what are you expecting from me and what am I expecting from you? And is that a realistic ask? Some managers want to be mentors. Some people don't. Some managers do not want to be mentors. And having that explicit dialogue saying, hey, that's not what you should count on me for, lets me at least then say, where do I get that? You know, I was just realizing I have such good boundaries with everyone in my life except for my dog. <laughs> and, you know, I think that that's a conversation that someone with self-esteem will tend to have is mm. because... There's a there. It feels vulnerable, I think, for someone to say, "Hey, let's look at expectations," because there's a lot of people in the workforce who don't want to let someone down or even come across like they have needs. Yeah. Um, and so, just message to anyone listening: It's okay for you to take up space. It's okay for you to have needs. Um, and I love your point about expectations. I actually listen. I have an audio that a lot of my students in my online programs. Um, have listened to, and it's um, expectations versus agreements. It talks mm. about how expectations are kind of sometimes for, for victimized energy because expectations by character are secrets unless you say something. They're secret desires that nobody else knows about, and you're going to get disappointed if they don't know the secret versus an agreement is a spoken agreement where two different separate parties who are completely sovereign have come to the table and come to an agreement. And so to me, what you're sharing is so powerful. You're saying, instead of just having silent expectations, go turn them into agreements with, with someone. I mean, nobody wants to have a bunch of expectations put on them, but rising into their own agreements, I think for sure. And that's a very powerful management strategy. Uh, so I think that's, uh, can I just add one yeah, tiny yeah. thing here? Yeah, I, I think that's so right. And I think when you go down this rabbit hole, you start to realize that there's there's more tools that give you power than you ever would thought, right? right? So like when you move an expectation to an agreement, you start to get an agreement on what do you, what, what am I agreeing to deliver? 
When am I agreeing to deliver it? What are you, what are you going to help me with? And what am I going to do by myself? And then what is the consequence if I do deliver it or if I don't? And in our workplace, particularly in tough mentor, tough management manager relationships, a lot of those are implicit and both people have totally different ideas about them. Right. You know, it's getting on the same page and communication. It takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of vulnerability. And actually one thing I was thinking about just of some of the things that you can speak on is around um, not feeling like you have enough experience for something, because I'm sure the idea of expectations or a job posting looks maybe pretty heavy for someone who maybe is great for the job, but they don't feel like they have enough experience. What is your take on that in today's you know world with corporate roles? Should someone be uh, applying? And if they sh- should still apply, what do they do to stand out when they feel an experience? Maybe that's a game of imposter syndrome. Maybe they actually lack some experience, but they have some soft skills that are so important. I would just love your take on that. Yeah. Um, if I could, could I break it down into two different yeah. scenarios? One scenario where you're looking to apply to something, right? And you're saying, should I apply to this? Should I not apply to it? And the other is where you're asked at an organization to take on a role that you're not sure you're ready for. And I think both of them happen actually a lot in today's world with the chaos of the great resignation. <laughs> on the application one, you know, it's such an interesting thing. I, I always opt toward let them say no. Let them say no. Let them say no. And if they're if I'm not right for it, like if I'm if I think that's a job that would work for me because I've done my research, because I'd like to do it, because I want to invest myself in it, because I want to learn how to do it. And I, I think it's an interesting place for me. Apply, reach out, go after it. Let them say no. If they say no, then okay, don't jump right. into it. But don't stop yourself before the conversation began yes. um, when you're looking at these because you have no idea, right? And you don't know what you don't know. And so like, do your research and do say, you know what, I'm not ready to be a CEO yet. Like, okay, I'm not going to go take over um, the Tim Cook's job at, at Apple. But like, the, the vast majority of jobs, the vast majority of things out there are a conversation between you and an organization when you go to join. And so let them say no and, and give yourself the, the chance. Love on that. the other side... Uh, on the other side, in terms of in the organization, you know, oftentimes someone will leave and you're asked to take on a role that you're not sure if you're ready for. And I think there's a tendency to say, oh, you know, I'm not ready for it. And I think that it becomes really important to recognize that the organization is putting trust in you, right? And they're not saying you're the perfect person there, but they're saying they trust you and they're saying you're ready. And so jump in, right? And give it, and if you want it, if you want it, do it. But like, don't hold yourself back because you're not sure. Right. Right. The world is changing so freaking fast. I'm learning my job every day. I got to say that. I'm sure you're creating your job every day, Ashley. <laughs> so yeah. you, there's no job description for someone like you. But like, um, I don't know. I, I always opt toward try. Yeah. And, and I think also there's um, one of my favorite things someone's ever said to me in a job interview that I've recommended to clients is, here's what you won't see on my resume. So if you get the opportunity to have a conversation saying, here's what you can't see on a resume, this, and and talking about your soft skills, like for me, I'm really dependable. If I say I'm going to do something, you don't need to repeat it. You don't need to follow up on it. It's done. Mm -hmm. Um, Stuff like that, I think is really, really important for people to be able to speak to is is your soft skills and the skills you've been cultivating your whole life. Um, and, And speaking of, of skills, I know that you have helped 
organizations with their culture. And right now is a really interesting time for corporate culture where, you know, gone are the days where having a cool office setup or kitchen or free snacks is going to do the trick. Um, Now people want more flexibility and flexibility means many things, right? It means the location you're working, the hours you're working. Um, What are some key hacks that you've imparted to organizations to transform their culture? It's such an interesting question because I think culture in the last five years has gone so far ahead in how people measure it and what they look at on this, right? So if you look at from the organizational side, that's a lot of the work we were doing at McKinsey and, you know, their big tool, their big instrument is the organizational health index. And it's, it's gotten much beyond, does the organization have beanbag chairs? (laughs) Does the organization have a ping pong table? It's gotten down to how people feel about their space in the organization, their flexibility, their autonomy, their, their, their ability to actually create change. And I think that organizationally, people are getting a lot more sophisticated about that. And that's really, really interesting. Um, When we consult and when we look at those things, you know, so much comes back to whether people feel satisfied, fulfilled and engaged in, in being a part of it. And so, you know, one of the reasons why we do learning and one of the reasons why I am so adamant and passionate about learning is that I, that often ends up being the piece where when you invest in people, they invest in you, right? And so when we talk about hacks with organizations, we say, you know what? Your people will know whether you're investing in them. Your people will know whether you care about them. Your people will know whether you care about who they could be, not just what they can do for you today. And learning and development happens to be the space where, where a lot of that bridges together and where people feel like, okay, I'm learning, I'm growing, I'm developing. Love that topic. And I think, you know, a lot of people sometimes will count on the organization to grow them versus them to grow mm-hmm. themselves. So I love a lot of the initiative you're talking about. What do you think other than flexibility, which has been such a buzz um, for the managers listening or for the companies listening, what do you think is the one thing that is most toxic to a culture right now? Maybe something someone's not thinking about. Um, and, And what would you recommend that a company or a manager or even an employee do about that thing? Oh, it's so interesting. You know, I think probably it sounds trite, but I think loneliness is a big thing in organizations right now. And so much of engagement and collaboration right now happens around a work product. And a lot of the things that people have found fulfillment in a workplace from before has felt fallen away, right? Like the, the water cooler is the prototypical example, but just the true relational connection instead of transactional connection has fallen away deeply. And it's really hard for management and executives now because that's not showing up in the financials of this quarter, but it's showing up in the great resignation. And it's showing up in the, um, in the burnout of whole generations of people. It's showing up in the people moving around after six months in a job. And it's a really hard thing to tackle. Right. You know, it's so interesting. Um, what I've realized over the years consulting with companies is that I think the most sneaky, toxic thing in a corporate culture and the most unexpected is the high performing employee with a bad attitude mm-hmm. because the company kind of counts on them, gives them work, has a relationship like they need them. Um, and yet they're killing the mood of everyone around them. So even though you're getting the talent of one person, you're getting misery from so many other people. I think that kills your retention. Um, But yeah, I love what you're sharing around that. And also, you know, okay. So kind of going back to 
leadership. Um, mm. You know, we were talking about cultural changes at companies, and I know that a lot of that has to do with leadership. I know you've led so many different programs for professional learners across all sorts of industries. Um, what recommendation? I know, I know, you know, the invited MBA program is one way to really upskill in the business world. What what else would you share for anyone right now who wants to be more of a leader in their career and demonstrate leadership, especially remotely, which can be kind of an awkward way to show your put your leadership pants on, you know, through your computer screen. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting and particularly in the virtual world, I come at this from being a teacher for many years, being a facilitator, being a head of of different departments. And I think the thing I've learned more and more is you know, when you're working with professionals, your job as a leader is more about to create space for them to bring them best, their best self as, it, as opposed to your job is to direct and prove that you're the expert and know all these different things. And, you know, I, I, I always say in my old job at McKinsey, where I led like executive leadership pr- trainings, every room I was in, I was the least experienced and I was the one who knew the least. And so my job was to cultivate and create great conversations where people brought themselves. And that was so rich. And I think that it, it's a good um, analogy for, for leadership in the virtual world where you know, we zoom into these Zooms out of nowhere, where you teleport into these Zooms. And we think that being a leader means I have to prove that I'm the smartest and I have to prove I'm the expert on this. So I'm going to spend 40% of the, uh, of the time talking and telling everybody <laughs> what to do. Whereas uh, my personal take is that the real effective way to do it is to come in there, create the space, and then create uh, the, the, the constraints that set people free to bring their best self. And I've always loved that, that comment from a leadership perspective. You've talked about being a contributor. I would use the phrase of like servant leadership, but it's how do you create space and create an environment for everyone to bring their best? And that's what leadership is about. That's what education is about. That's what all of these different things to me are about. I love what you're sharing. Also, just this idea, like true leaders are stewards. They're not, there's not an ego to being, I mean, if anything, leaders, if you're a great leader, you're following, you know, in a way you are, it's about your team shining. It's not about you shining. So I think there's so much there. Okay. So I have to ask you before we go anywhere about a little further about invited MBA. I'm I'm really excited to have you here. Um, and, and those of you who are interested, you can head to invitedmba.com. Can you tell me a little bit about who is the right person for this? Why someone would take the program um, that Ability is offering at Invited MBA? And I also know um, that if you apply right now, you guys are offering, um, if, if anyone who's listening applies to invitedmba.com, you'll get a $200 tuition credit when you say that I sent you, um, Ashley Stahl sent you. So that's awesome. Um, tell us a little bit more about about it and and who should be taking it. Totally, totally. So uh, as Ability, our mission is to provide accessible business education to whoever wants it, right? And so we come from the corporate background. We've done tons of stuff with clients over the years. The Invited MBA is our first push to actually make that accessible to anybody who wants to sign up. And so it's a a 12-week part-time program that's designed and so that you can do it while continuing with your job, while continuing with your life, while continuing with whatever it is. And throughout the course of those 12 weeks, learn the basics of an MBA, learn the basics of business and, and finance, learn the basics of strategy, learn the basics of management, right? And it's the start of that conversation. It's not everything that you would go through in a two-year MBA, but it's also a 12-week part-time version, right? And it's uh, sticker price is $18.50, and we give the, the tuition discount to, to folks who come through you, um, Ashley, right? And we don't want 
money to be the reason why anyone doesn't take it. And so if you have any challenges with that, reach out to us. We offer scholarships. We offer all that stuff. When we think about the 12-week program, well, what it actually does is it goes back to where we talked earlier, Ashley. It goes back to providing you conversancy, confidence, and connections. And so the people who, who that's good for are often people who are making transitions in their careers people who are moving from one, um, one world to another. And so we've had a lot of military veterans who are coming over to the business world and trying to translate their skills. We've had a lot of teachers who are coming over and trying to translate their skills. We've also had a lot of folks who are two, three, four years into their career and starting to move into a managerial role and saying, okay, I need to move to a manager. I don't feel like I have the, the foundations of business, so I need to take this next step. Let me go buttress my, my skills and go learn those. And so we have a, a good chunk of those. And then ironically, and this kind of surprised us, we actually have had a lot more executives. We've had a lot more startup executives. We've had a lot more people who are you know, toward their 20th, 30th year of their career, who never went back and got an MBA and have been very successful, but never felt like they had the foundational skills. And so they come in. And when you have those three groups, the groups who are, you know, transitioning from one world to another, the groups who are moving up in the early career and the groups who are, who are established in their career and trying to, to kind of uh, get that foundation again, you end up with really good conversations. And you end up with, from a pedagogical perspective, a lot of time to work together on things and a lot of time to gain the experience and share the experience you have. Mm -hmm. And so our 12-week program is, is built around simulations that we run as part of leadership development programs where it puts you in the role. It puts you in the role of a, of a financier. It puts you in the role of a manager. It puts you in the role of an executive and lets you learn it. And that's yeah. kind of how we... we um, we do it a 12-week program that we think fulfills a lot of the promises of, of a longer-term business education for many people. I love that. I wish that I had taken something like that because I have been in the hard knocks with bookkeeping and accounting mm. and all of the admin that I didn't know about as a business owner way back when. I know you have an application deadline coming up February 18th, 2022. So that's just sneaking up upon us. And I know that the spring program dates are March 8th to May 21st. That's um, right. So those of you listening who want to use this time to upskill, make sure to mention my name so you could get that $200 tuition credit. Um, make sure to ask about scholarships if you need it over at invitedmba.com. Um, Luke, thank you so much for coming onto the show. It means so much that you've taken the time to give us all of this insight. My pleasure, Ashley. Thank you for, for making the time as well. And I hope you got to have lunch because it's lunchtime over there in New York. Thank you so much for tuning into the U-Turn podcast. And thank you again so much for our sponsors. We are here because of you and to our listeners. Thank you for checking out our sponsors. We always pick people and brands that we trust and we believe in. And just for listening to the show, writing your reviews on the Apple app, and just being willing to make your own U-Turns. We'll see you next week. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. 
There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.